Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Our mission is to strip away the myths and hype that often surround the aesthetics industry. Inside Aesthetics aims to get to the bottom of the important topics that concern medical and allied health professionals, as well as the consumers themselves. We'll be showcasing the thoughts and experiences of experts in their respective fields. Each podcast will focus on a specialty, including surgery, non-surgical procedures, nutrition, well-being, and business knowledge from the personalities that have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general educational information about cosmetic procedures and well-being. It does not promote or endorse any cosmetic procedure, brand, or product. You should seek professional medical assessment before considering any treatment. Penny has trained thousands of advanced as well as emerging non-surgical cosmetic doctors and nurses in the art of anatomically focused cosmetic consultation, injection technique, and laser enhancement. She has also consulted and treated countless non-surgical cosmetic patients on matters ranging from simple cosmetic enhancement treatments to corrective and advanced procedures. Penny has been called upon over the years to assist some of the biggest industry leaders for injectable training events, including Dr. Mircea Damal, Dr. Kern de Bull, and Dr. Stephen Liu, to name a few. Penny holds a Bachelor of Nursing and is one of Australia's most experienced and passionate non-surgical aesthetic nurse specialists, as well as medical education expert. Jake, guess who's back? Guess who's back with us today? Penne Pasta. <laughs> Penne Pasta. That's an in-joke. You, you need to explain that now. <laughs> okay. Well, Penny's name is spelt P-E-N-E. And when I first met you, I didn't know what to call you. I think I called you Pen. Yes, I get pen, penne, pen, penny, anything. People just avoid it. Yes. I don't really know what my parents were P- thinking, P-D-D. to be honest. No. P-D-D. You're special. It You're also special. is a terrible name in Spanish as well. If anyone wants to look, to look that up. Oh, really? They'll have a bit of a laugh. <laughs> you Sorry, the dictionary. Everyone's in their car now. Yeah, you Google out and Google penny in Spanish and you'll have a good old laugh. That's hilarious. Friends. I can tell you that now. Yeah, thanks, mum and dad. Oh, very good. So you're back again. We're going to delve a little more deeply into, I guess, um, the things that can go wrong and things that we could potentially do better, dealing sure. with difficult patients. So I'm taking your I'm taking your cue from you. I'm going to telling everyone what we're going to tell them. Tell them what they're going to tell. Them. I was I love listening. It. <laughs> Brilliant. So maybe we'll start off with um, a bit of a curly one, and I'm probably best place to ask this one because I'm not a medical provider. Sure. What do you do as an injector when you get patients that come in? Um, and they want you to deliver a result which you don't think is going to look great. Mm-hmm. We've all seen those freaky looking outcomes. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes people want that look and you sure. know, f- fair play to them. That, that's what they want. And that's great. But I guess they're walking around with your work Absolutely. on them. They're your advertising and people in there invariably tell people, they obviously tell people more when things go wrong. Um, but they definitely will tell people who did something when it goes right. And I might I don't know. How, how do you deal with that? It's a bit of a yeah, difficult situation. Yeah, and it's a really great one because, to your point, more people tell people when they go right, but if the right is not your aesthetic, mm. the brand that you're putting out there is I do A or I do B. Mm. And, again, you know, briefly we talked about that with Instagram. You put out what your brand is and what it is that you want to do. So be careful with your patient selection, absolutely. So I, I've had a lot of experience with this. Mm. Um, one particular example comes to mind that I'd like to talk to you about mm. and where I'll start with this is you can either play the short game or the long game with these patients. If you really look at them and you think, gosh, you know, I, I do believe that someone hasn't listened to you or there's underlying issues um, or you've just been delivered bad result after bad result or you don't understand your own face and you feel you can educate them through the process. That's what I call the long game. The short game is if you look at someone and there's absolutely no way you're going to meet their brand expectations of what they want and you don't want to be associated with that, 
the short game is you just say, look, I absolutely hear with what you're after. I, I hear what you want. I'm not the person to deliver that to you, but I have got some injectors I know who are fantastic with giving you that bigger look that you're after. And yep. that's totally okay to do that refer yep. on. Mm-hmm. So if we go back to the long game, when I was working um, cosmetic injecting at Michael Moroshnik's, we had this young boy come in. I say young boy because he was in his early 20s and yep. he was a flight attendant. And he Sorry, was- Sorry, to cut you off. So for people that aren't in Australia, um, Michael Moroshnik is a plastic, a well-known plastic surgeon in Sydney, just yes. to preface so, that. Yes, of course. Yeah, Sorry. Don't, sorry, no, you're We've absolutely We've got people right. listening all oh, over the world. Amazing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he is. He's a plastic surgeon in Bondi Junction. Yeah. I worked with him for a couple of yeah. years in the non-surgical um, space and in injecting. And we had a client came in who was in his early 20s, flight attendant, and- um, he was unhappy with the way that he looked. Now, he had had more filler in his face than I think a 65-year-old could put in their face full stop. And his cheeks were asymmetrical and massive. His lips were huge and unbalanced. Um, He'd completely lost the essence of masculinity. He did not look like himself, but he wanted me to put more in his cheek. Mm. And I sat down with this young man and after chatting to him and understanding why he felt he needed more in his cheek, which was he felt that they were unbalanced, not that he wanted a bigger and larger. Um, we started to unpack the process of where he got into that state and how he was there in the first place. And what I've very quickly realised is that he, he was never educated in his own face. He didn't actually know what it is that he wanted. So what he was going in and saying was, I want cheeks or I want this. And and the injectors were, were doing exactly what he, what he wanted. Yeah. So the first consultation was a really long one. And we really sat down and, and I tried to figure out what it was that he was after. And I sent him home and I said to him, what I want you to do is come back to me tomorrow with a picture or a couple of pictures of men that you actually aspire to or think look handsome. And I know we can't, and people are going to jump at this and go, oh, I hate it when people bring in pictures. But I wanted to understand what it was that he was actually after to see if it was a realistic expectation or not. Yeah. Yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that he wants to be them, but exactly. what does he find attractive? What does he find attractive? What is it? What traits in a male or a man? Male is a man. That was a stupid thing to say. But what is it that he finds attractive or what is it that he you know, would aspire to be? And what he brought in was a picture of a man who had a balanced jaw, balanced lips, a balanced face, and was probably a little bit more angular in his jawline than he particularly was. So from an injecting perspective, I knew that I could actually meet that expectation. Mm. From there, I also actually got him to bring in a picture of himself before he had all these injectables. Yeah, such a valuable tool. Absolutely. And I sat down with the picture before and I sat down with the picture of those he wanted to aspire to be like. And it was actually very clear that he looked more like it before he started his journey. And we came to that conclusion together. And that was a really beautiful journey to be part of. And what we did over the next three times is we consented him for highlays and we highlayed pretty much everything in this man's face. So highlays is a filler dissolver, isn't it? It's a filler dissolver, exactly. Only non-permanent fillers. That only non-permanent yeah. fillers. Absolutely, thank yes. you. Good interjections there. <laughs> um, and he had non-permanent fillers. They were all done in Australia. We were able to trace back what he had had done. I got his treatment yeah. records from the four other practitioners he'd been to, et cetera, et cetera. So I knew what I was working mm. with. Um, we highlighted over a couple of sessions. We got him back to neutral. And then we sat down and really planned what we would do to get him closer to the look of masculinity yeah. that he was after from where he was to start. So that's what I mean by the long game. Every patient is different. And just because someone comes in and says they want something, you've got to unpack the reason for yeah. that and if you unpack it and the reason is 
oh no, I just want really massive lips. I think yep. they look amazing. There's injectors who do that and they do it really, really well. And you can say, I'm not for you. But if the long game is, you know, you can help somebody based on their actual expectations and what it is that you can deliver as a practitioner and you're willing to play that long game with them, yeah. it can be a really beautiful experience to be part of and you will have that patient for life. Yeah. You mentioned something there totally off point that I think is really valid. As a client or a consumer, if you go to a clinic, ask the clinic if you can have the little labels on the fillers or take yes. a photo on your phone of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So you know what's gone in your body or yes. your face. Um, it's partly just so you know and you can tell another clinic mm. if you go there, but also just for a bit of accountability. If anything goes wrong, Absolutely. Uh, I've heard so many stories of... Um, potentially clinics getting their product from elsewhere and it's just a record of what's gone in your body as an injector i will not inject anybody that i can't for fact find out what they've had put in their face before so if you come to me as a consumer and say oh yeah i've had this done and this done and i you can't tell me what's actually been put in your face and we can't find that out by ringing the clinic you were at before i actually won't treat you yeah because it's so important fundamentally to understand what's at a deep level if you've got a permanent filler in there um, or something that i've never heard of and i'm not sure what the you know the ingredients or what constitutes that filler i am absolutely not going to be injecting mm -hmm. over it yeah, so look, know what's been put in your face absolutely every time. Yeah, we've got a transient population, a lot of European clients, Asian clients, Lebanese clients, and often they've been treated in their own country. Yes. And you kind of assume that they have used a genuine, you know, non-permanent filler, but you're never sure. quite sure. You never know. And I've also had clients come back from holidays. Mm. So, oh, yeah, while I was in Thailand, <laughs> yeah. it was only $300. And I went and it looks amazing, but can you add more? And my question is always, what did they put in? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm not going to inject over it until we do. So ring them and get your medical records, understand what's been put in your face, and then I'll inject you after yeah. that. Because safety first. And yeah. if it is a permanent filler and you're unaware of that, and we inject over that just for those listening, if you've got, um, you, you get a, a problem or a concern, one, you can't remove the permanent filler. And second of all, we actually don't know what's caused it. If it's my filler that I've put on top or the filler before, there might have been a biofilm sitting there. If it's permanent, we can't get rid of it. It's hard to treat infection that yeah. way. So it's so important you understand what's there, why it's there. And then as an injector, make sure you're very aware yeah. because you don't know what you're getting into if you don't. We're pretty lucky in Australia because permanent fillers seem to have I don't see them anymore. I'm sure they're still around. I don't they really are hear still much around. about them. But Absolutely. we're pretty regulated and the TGA do a great job on For sure. keeping our products safe. Yes. Um, so we've only got like, what, two or like three or four different brands of fillers in Australia. More than that. But yeah, not to compared to like Europe oh, where there's like, sure. like genuinely what, hundreds? hundreds. Yes, yeah, hundreds. absolutely. So, absolutely. So we're pretty lucky here. We've got a... We've got a really small, like, I guess, product selection was you've got these, as Jake was saying, transient people coming Absolutely. in. You don't know, like, what they've had in them. Yes. And you could just be creating an, an issue that you didn't even know. Yeah, and be careful of your holiday specials. If you don't know what's going in your face overseas and they can't fix it, just, just be very cautious. You've always got to wonder, why would a successful clinic ever be discounting dermal fillers or something you know that costs hundreds of dollars why would they be just discounting if they're doing really well and they're ethical and their product is genuine mm. it just doesn't make sense mm. ever mm. groupon and all these kind of deals you just got to be really thinking well why are you discounting it Mm. Yeah. And we do say permanent problems yeah. from permanent fillers. There are some um, medical practitioners out there I do know who use some more semi-permanent fillers and yeah. they get great results, but they know what they're doing with them yeah. and their patients regularly go back to them. But yeah. outside of that, I need to understand what's in your face before I'll touch you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, so we've dealt with 
that kind of difficult client with uh, wanting maybe a aesthetic that's different to what the injector wants. What about clients who are just generally difficult? They might come in and say, all right, I've got $300, sort me out. Or, um, you know, we touched on it in your previous episode, just re- we just recorded about maybe just being a bit unhappy in themselves and, sure. and trying to use injectables as a bit of a pick me up. Mm. How do you, I guess, how do you say no to people is what we're, yeah. what we're really saying. It, it's a really hard one in life. I mean, we, we don't like saying no to anybody and particularly medical practitioners. We like to say, yes, we want to fix things. We want to make things better. Um, but learning to say no is a really important skill. And the easiest way to say no is I really don't think that I can meet your expectations. It's yeah. a really simple sentence yeah. um, that gets you out a lot of problems. Yeah. And if they're demanding and I want to do it now, you just go, I can't I can't meet that expectation. I'm really sorry. I'm not the right practitioner for you. Yeah, it's why a pretty you, disarming way to say it, isn't it? It's a it? really disarming way but, to say it. But why do you feel that so many injectors feel forced to oblige? Well, this is a great question. There is and I'm going to segment this, there are some clinics that have commercial pressure. And what I mean by that is they have got targets. So they have to meet a certain target from an injecting perspective yeah. so that they get the tick of approval. Someone like um, David with a whip in the background. Oh. <laughs> sell, sell, sell. <laughs> Look, I, I would hate to think that's the case. And, you he know, doesn't. But, but this good. is everywhere. And there's, there's clinics in every genre that do this. And, you know, we've got to remember too that a lot of these places now are run by business people and it's important for commercial success. So there is an element that you, if you don't make money, you can't have a business. So it, it, I get that. I think sales targets are important mm. uh, if you're running a successful practice, but not obviously um, for the Without compromising. Of, exactly, safety. not for yeah. the detriment of the patient, yeah. 100%. But sometimes I think that that sentence we've just talked about gets lost in translation, particularly with new injectors coming through where they feel they have to hit this target. Mm. If you can justify your reasoning for sending someone away, that's what you're doing. You know, you're not going to treat anyone you shouldn't be. So you know that, that's the first side of that, commercial pressure. I think the second side of that is what I said before, we want to please and we just want to do it and we are scared of people who can be quite aggressive or domineering. Um, A lot of nurses, if you look at those personality traits, aren't aggressive or domineering. Mm. Um, They're listeners. They sit back a lot more. They can be quite passive. So having someone quite aggressive come in and say, you will do this and this is what I want, Mm. um, you know, they they get quite quite sound by that and, and therefore they'll treat them even though they know within themselves it's the wrong thing to do. Again, go back to, look, I really just don't think I can meet that expectation. Um, I'm not the right practitioner for you. But I do have some people who might if you wanted to, to send yeah. them that way. But again, or say, I'm not comfortable going forward today based on the fact I don't think I can meet your expectation. Why don't we look at sending you a second appointment in a couple of weeks' time? They won't come back. And that's another nice way for them to go away and think about it um, and for you to get out of that difficult situation at the beginning. And then you can go to a mentor or a peer and also talk about what you would do with that patient if yeah. they did come back. Yeah, I, th- I think if you're a consumer listening, it's important to understand that, you know, from the nurse or the doctor's perspective, we, we're not there to be an injecting monkey. We don't we're not trying to put barriers up to stop you achieving what you want to achieve, but there are reasons why we sometimes have to say no. Absolutely. Uh, if And it's not in your interest to, you know, waste your money if you're not going to achieve what you want to achieve. And that's the next point. Exactly. If someone comes in with a very, very, very strict budget and there's absolutely no way that you can meet their expectation based on the fact the money's just not going to cover the treatments that they need, be open and say that. The money that you've come up with and the expectation that you want me to deliver They don't match. So we've got two things that we can do here. We can either decrease your expectation or 
we can book you in for, say, six weeks' time and you can save that extra $400 that you need mm. and we can deliver you the outcome that you're after. Yeah. But always give them a choice yeah. because if you then turn around and say, okay, I can treat you um, with anti-wrinkle you know, wrinkle yeah. relaxants in that area, but I'm letting you know now you're only going to get a partial outcome and it may last three to four weeks if you're lucky. Yeah. Mm. If you're comfortable with that, and you really want to go ahead today, I'm happy to deliver that because it's safe, it's, eff it's efficacious, and that's the expectation of the outcome. Yeah. Or, as I said, if you want to do this properly, let's book you in and come back. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I, I'm not trying to be a barrier, but and uh, not not even a negotiator, but to explain in black and white what will happen if you take path A or path B, assuming that you're safe for both. Sure. And, and I've done my doctorly thing first. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to communicate, communicate to clients every, that expectation. Risk. Absolutely. But everybody who's come back at that three and four week mark that I've told them the expectation, they've said, you're absolutely right. It's only lasted three weeks. And mm. I've gone, absolutely. So let's save up next time and do it properly. Yeah. So uncover everything, unpack everything so that they're fully aware of what that means. But if you are uncomfortable and you don't want to do it, you just say, I can't meet that expectation. I'm not the right injector for you. Yeah, I think. I think to balance that that commercial um, sort of reality of the business or the pressure, um, if you're educating your clients correctly mm. um, and you're doing every treatment for the right reason, you really shouldn't be thinking about the dollars from an injector perspective, really. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that sometimes gets um, confused or people might maybe get the wrong idea. It's not about like chasing maximum dollar mm -hmm. per client. Just, if you do the right things and you consult your patient properly, yes, um, the money will just come. So sure. don't don't focus on that. Um, and I think that what you're saying, like how often are you going to have these patients that have the unrealistic expect? They're, they're the minority, generally mm -hmm. speaking. You might have pockets where you see like just every single patient seems like that. But I think for the most part, they we're talking about minor minority minority cases. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I think the more experienced you get, though, possibly, this yeah. is my experience, I started to see a lot of them yeah. because – they would go, well, we've heard you've got a lot of experience. Yeah. We've been really unhappy where we've been before. Uh, okay. And I see it. I see a lot and for many different reasons. But again, frank, honest, authentic, yeah. transparent communication always leads to better outcome. And the amount of times someone would say to me, she didn't tell me that or he didn't tell me that or <laughs> I had no idea that my my bones were aging like that or my face was aging like that and that I couldn't achieve that. Yeah. They just said, yeah, 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 let's put a couple of mils in and you'll be fine. And I didn't understand that the extent of where I was at was ABC. And, yeah. you know, thank you for explaining that to me. If you do that, if you're open, you know, it's it's hard not to meet an expectation if you've unpacked everything for that patient. Yeah. And, and I often find it's easier to establish that, that dynamic with a new client who's never done Absolutely. anything because you're starting off from a blank canvas. Yes. Whereas those people who are very experienced and maybe have, you know, moved to Sydney and, and you're now their guy. Yes. They've often got a number of preconceptions about cost, price, yes. what a unit does for them, what's expected, what's good, what's bad. Yes. And dealing with that sort of client is such a different dynamic because often you're kind of like trying to deal with things that they've just assumed. Yes. And that's the other thing too. It is assumed. And you've got to remember in communication, we take in about 10% of what's told to us. So if this is a patient that's had three years of treatments, their initial consultation might've only ever happened once. Mm. So how much of that are they actually going to remember? They've also continued to age in that time. Um, you know, there's different techniques that have come about in those times. You know, you might've learned different things because you've been different trained to different trainings than other people. So sitting down and again, stating all of that at the beginning and saying, look, we're 
we're new. I'm going to take this as a brand new consultation. I know you've been through different processes before, but this is the way that, yeah. you know, I'd like to do things with you as a partnership. And let's see if that works for you and me. Yeah. It's a two-way street, you know, and you don't have to treat people and they don't have to go forward with you if, if they're not comfortable with you either. But stay true to who you are and your brand, I think, is, is one thing. Um, and definitely don't be afraid to say I'm not the right mm. practitioner for you. It, it happens everywhere else. I, I don't know why we, 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 we're not comfortable yeah. with that within our industry. Um, clinical notes, mm. especially when it comes to patients who – um, you've say, for example, they've said they've come in with $300 sure. and they want a $600 outcome, but they decide that they're going to alter their expectation because this is the money they have to spend today. Sure. The importance of documenting that oh, because like the amount of times oh, they'll yeah. not be happy, mm-hmm. they'll come back, they'll go and see another injector, they'll make up some story. I'm not, <laughs> no, <laughs> these things sure. happen. If, you, if you're not 100%. like backed up with your clinical notes saying recommended patient needs this dose, told them this will be the outcome. As you said, it'll only last three. Yeah. Like just cover yourself because you see these things where consumers will play injectors off each other or they'll sort of manipulate the truth a little bit. (laughs) Or just forget generally. Yeah, just forget, yeah. But get them to sign it and give them a copy of it. So, you know, what we used to do is give people a copy of the consent that they'd actually signed to take home. And it was, you know, documented in bullet point form everything that we'd gone through. There was an area for comments down the bottom. If something like that did happen, Mm -hmm. I would write in the comments, but I'd actually get them to initial it because as soon as they go to initial it, they go, oh, oh no, actually, I'm not comfortable initialing Mm -hmm. that. It's a red flag for me. If you've gone through it and they said they're happy with that and they sign it, it's a pretty good indication that they're comfortable and then give them a copy of it for for them to take away if you're concerned as well. Absolutely. You've just seen my new consent form. Quite a few signatures for each Absolutely. part of it. Absolutely. <laughs> Every single part because people will skimp too. Again, they're nervous when they come in. They'll yeah. skimp through it to get to the fun part. Yeah. You want them to be signing every single point individually to make sure that they understand. And not only signing it, you need to go through every point individually yes. because that's what informed consent is. It's yeah. about informing them and then them consenting. Not them reading something, not understanding it, and then doing one signature yeah. at the bottom. <coughs> I mean, you know, we need to be taking all necessary steps to protect patients and do the best by them. But at the same time, as in I mean, I'm not an injector, but like just seeing what goes on, you need to take steps to protect yourself as well. We live in such a litigious society where people are just, you know, the second sentence out of everyone's mouth is, I'm going to call my lawyer, Mm. you know, so um, doing those things. So you do have like protection or you have done the right thing so you can back up what you've done is really, really important. Absolutely. And, you know, the reality is some patients only do have $300. So I think we went through this phase where we were like, we'll tell them that they have to come back and have seven meals and, you know, a 12-month treatment plan, et cetera, et cetera. We shouldn't put huge barriers to these patients, but if if that's what they have, we need to very clearly, you know, talk about expectations and, you know, not to go into off-label, but even with lips, if we're talking about fillers, there's other things that you can do with anti-wrinkle injections that are actually much more cost effective for the mm. patient as an entry point for them if they're really keen to get something done. Yeah, like a lip flip or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, if they're safe, if it's the right thing for them, there's other ways that we can look at that. We don't have to have them coming in with $10,000 and 12 months treatment plan in front of them yeah. to get some outcome for them as long as we're realistic with what they can achieve. What's a lip flip, David? <laughs> no, seriously, a lot, a lot of people maybe in other countries. I've not heard it used. No, I know what it is, but a lot of people in other countries, on Australia, everyone seems to know what a lip flip is, but a lot of countries, they don't. Really? Yeah. I've seen uh, on online forums and Facebook, you know, I dip into this stuff to see what's going on around the world. And a lot of people are 
never heard of it and they're like is it some new thing is it a, is it a filler they, they you know it's it's using anti-wrinkle that's right to relax the muscle around the mouth that's it to get a slightly uh everted lip yes, top lip and in some cases you may get a slightly everted lip and i think it's really important we lose use that terminology because yes. depending on the structure um the muscle that's there the age of the client the presentation of the lip not everybody will get that outcome but as i said think laterally and outside the box if someone wants their lips if they're appropriate candidate um you think they'll get an outcome and you can meet their expectation and, and they're happy with that. There are other opportunities, even skin. You know, we talk about, look, we can't do that for you today, but actually looking at your pigmentation, we've got a treatment that could work for you if they've brought that up in their consultation as a concern. So there's lots of different tracks that we can bring people in so that they can have an outcome yeah. um, based on some budget. Sometimes it's just ridiculous and you have to let them know that. <laughs> yeah. Very much so, um, but you know it's not always a, a barrier to treatment. Yeah, no, true. But but on the on the flip side, I guess you know I've seen many tends to be younger girls who come with a more defined budget. Sure, and they ask for a lip flip, but in their head, what they want for the lips. a lip filler. That's right. And you've also got to be clear that that's not going to happen either. No. It's just an entry point that may exactly. give them a slight shape change. Yes. That then next time they come with a bigger budget, they can do a, a formal lip filler. Absolutely. I've even had girls come in and say, I'm here with my friend. Can we pay for half a syringe each? I don't know if you've <laughs> yeah. had that experience. Um, it's not like sharing a burger. Oh, it's, you know, uh, and, and people are very price conscious. But again, but there are clinics who are, who, I'm not going to name names, who are offering this. Well, it's, you know. it's, uh, it's dodgy. Dodgy, dodgy. Do you want to explain why that's an issue, just for people that might be trying to understand what's a big deal if you split it in half? There's I mean, if you decant, which means to take half the filler and put it in a different syringe, yeah. is it still an issue? Well, decanting's something that if you talk to the companies, they won't um, support. support or right. cover. Mm. And again, if you change the integrity of the packaging that comes with the product, yep. check your insurance and make sure you're covered by that. That's yep. the one thing I would say, first of all, because if something goes wrong and you've taken a medical product, change the way that it's put in. Second of all, we actually don't know if it changes the constitution of the product because no one's done any research on that. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe if you decanted, it'll come out exactly the same and people are getting fantastic results from it. Great. But we don't know. It's an unknown. Third of all, it comes down to expectations. One mil product, if you look at it on a teaspoon, is one fifth of a teaspoon. Like yes. it's a very, very tiny amount. And what I've generally found with patients, we used to have half mils and we used to do a lot of half mil lips. Um, a lot of them loved it when there was a bit of swelling on board and then they come back and go, it's all gone. It hasn't yeah. all gone. It's just that I probably haven't put enough in that area to give you the result you're after. And most young women, particularly, who come in who want bigger lips, they need more than half a mil. Yes. So again, the third point of that is expectation again. And can you actually deliver expectation with half a mil of filler? So this leads nicely onto sort of common complaints, I guess. David, why don't you just open this first? Because from a non-clinical mm. perspective, you, you probably get emails and phone calls from clients for all different reasons, moaning um, about something in, uh, to do with injectables. Yeah. And well, most of the stuff that we see, see come through, and so I've got, I don't know, 11 or 12 injectors. So I see like a good amount of different things that come through. Sure. Um, most common stuff is around bruising and swelling. Okay. Um, I didn't bruise before. I didn't get swelling before. Why have I got it this time? I want a refund. I want to yeah. see someone else. I don't want to come back in and I just want to give my money back. So, I mean, that seems to be a really common one. Like those really basic side effects. I would even call them a complication. They're a side effect. They, they are. That just you need to expect. It's, if yes. you don't get a bruise. You're lucky. That's, 
Great. But it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. mean, you, it doesn't mean you're not going to get one next time. Exactly. You might have got it a hundred times before. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean the hundred and first time doesn't mean you're going to get it. We're not actively. I mean, you guys aren't sitting there trying to hit vessels. No, we <laughs> can't see But if you look at them. the anatomy of the yeah. face and how much is there, it's like you're lucky that you're not hitting them, to be honest. Absolutely. You um, know, and there's things that we can do as injectors to try and stop. Bruising, yeah. for example, we use ice, um, you know, but as soon as you put a topical on there, you, you're more likely to get a bit of bruising that's been shown. Yeah. Um, the lidocaine in the product sometimes can lead to different swelling or bruising yeah. effects. Um, you might have had a big night out the night before. You're probably going to bruise and swell a little yeah. bit more. You might have had a glass of wine, not a big yeah. night out. You're still going to bruise. Fish before. oil. You might have had fish oil. You could be taking neurofin that you weren't. You had a headache in the morning. Yeah. There are so many different reasons yeah. why you may bruise this time. The other thing too, and if, if we, we break this into um, – anti-wrinkle injections, which you're generally less likely to get bruising on, we're not necessarily injecting exactly the same place each time. So every time you come in, we're looking at the anatomy and going, based on what I'm seeing today, I'm going to move this injection a centimetre that way, or this one half a centimetre up. So we do our best to stay away from major vessels. We can pretty much predict major vessels, but small capillaries we can't always see. Yeah. So you may not get a bruise one time and you may get it the next time based on so many different no, reasons. I mean, even the aging process or if you've sure. lost fat and you're losing subcutaneous like fat from you've the face. You've from the car park and, and you're a little yeah, bit vasodilated. Yeah, your blood pressure's a bit That's right. Anything. Flush, it's yeah. summer, all of those types of things. So again, setting that expectation. But David, I love what you said before when you said this is an expected side effects. So there's expected and non-expected. Yeah. Bruising and swelling is something that all patients should be aware can and probably will happen. And they need to be comfortable with that to go ahead with treatment. Yeah. And if they're not, if you say to them, I may bruise you today and you possibly will get swelling and they say, I can't, you don't treat them. Yeah. It's like eating a meal. If I, I eat a meal, I expect to be full at the end. <laughs> that's just, I have injectables. I expect to have a bruise. Like, if you're yeah, not, if you're not then that's great. That's a bonus. So common things are bruising, swelling, um, mild asymmetry, Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that a lot of people will be unhappy. Generally, the people that have the the least serious side effects tend to be the ones that make the most noise. And I don't know why that is. It's the minor stuff. I don't know whether it's the personality types, but sure. they tend to then want to jump around to different injectors. Oh, I don't want to see Dr. Jake again. I want to see someone else. Oh, I don't want to see that person. You've never happened that before, have you? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I think it's, yeah, the, 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 the common side, so, uh, bruising, swelling, asymmetry, um, expectations not being met. Those tend to be the ones that I sort of see come across my desk the most. So going back to the bruising and the swelling, yeah. We tell people they may get bruising and swelling, but I'd also suggest you turn it around and say, what would happen today if you got a massive, a big bruise. bruise or you had ongoing swelling that lasted three days? Oh, well, I wouldn't go forward. Well, then we're probably not in a position that we should be treating you Correct. today. Yeah. Oh, no, I can't have any bruising because I've got a wedding on Saturday and it's Thursday. This happens all the time. Yeah. I can't guarantee that you won't get a bruise. So you have to either be okay with that or we don't go forward today and again being very clear but but asking that question what would happen if you know how would you respond if if i don't meet that expectation what what would be your response Hmm. because you'll learn very quickly how they would respond in that situation and again sometimes then the answer is today is not the best time to treat you why don't we book you in at a time when you don't have a social engagement or you're not concerned about bruising or you're not going to be you know on tv in a week's time um and and on the off chance that you may get a bruise so always plan for 
what I say worst case scenario is. A bruise is not a worst case scenario, by the yeah. way. That's very normal. Yeah. Um, but ask those open-ended questions and get yeah. them to tell you how they would feel or respond if those things happen to them. Really and then make good. your clinical judgment based on that. And I would add, if anyone's got their own consent form that they can alter themselves, add that in as an explicit question mm. with two options. Yes, I accept the downtime mm. or no, I don't signature. And if before you get into the treatment planning, if it's no, stop. Mm. Don't talk about their lips and their face and everything else if they're saying no. Yes. Just stop. And everyone responds so differently to swelling. Some yeah. people won't get any at all and some will swell massively. It's just the way that they are. Second of all to that too, some people find that their second experience is worse than their first because they've already got hyaluronic acid in their body, which is the substance we use for fillers. And that swells anyway. It, it draws in water. So mm. if you're putting HA on top of HA, sometimes people will swell even more and sometimes they won't. So it's very, very um, individual how people will respond. So going through all possible scenarios, not only telling them, but asking them their response is the most important thing. Yeah. I think, um, going back to what you said about the people who get the minor issues complain the most. Yeah. Partly, yes, it's because they haven't been consulted right or they just haven't accepted it. But also, it's the impact on their social life, not... <laughs> Always. You know, a bruise is a bruise yeah. and, you know, you're, you're going to live, you'll be fine. But it's they've got to justify it to their husband. Yeah. Uh, or, or their colleagues at work pointing fingers at them saying, is your husband beating you? It's the impact on... What happens once they've left your room rather than just the bruise itself that is the problem? Sure. Or the lie that I don't get anything done, but actually they've had anti-wrinkle <laughs> injections for the last 10 years of their life. Yeah, so, right. you know, some people don't want people to know that they're having things done. So yeah. to get a bruise can be an indicator like that. that people will then notice. So they take that very personally. Yes. Um, but discussing that's really important and making sure you're booking at appropriate times for patients that they can have that possible social downtime if they were to get a bruise. Even um, talking to them about different types of makeups. I know that sounds ridiculous, yeah. but you've got some makeups that are great at covering bruises. For example, with lips, anything with a purple base in it, um, like a red with a purple base, covers bruises really, really well. So, you know, there's lots of makeup tricks and yeah. tips that you can talk about as well with patients if they are really concerned because yeah. the mouth area has a tendency to bruise quite badly. So, you know, we can cover things to an extent. Yeah. Harder if you're a male, you don't really want to walk around with red lipstick yeah. on, but, you know, accepting that social downtime um, and that it may occur is really important and you know you do get better at not bruising people as you go along mainly when you know about major vessels and you're injecting sometimes superficially but you can never ever guarantee ever yeah. particularly yeah. with filler that people won't get a bruise yeah i mean you know, there are certain people walking around that literally you could sneeze and they'll get a bruise that's me um yeah and, and yet it's weird like you can ask people these explicit questions like do you bruise easily nope and then you can see on their arms or, yes. their, or their legs are covered in bruises or, right. or I don't know, it's just hard. Or they might have just had loads of garlic that week or ginger or ginseng. Mm. These things can make you bleed. Like it's mm. real. It's not just trivial. So sure. predicting it's impossible is basically what Absolutely. I'm saying. Absolutely. And understanding their response to that situation yeah. is more important than telling them about the situation itself. There are things that can help though. Like I know that our clinics, we offer the um, Helite. Sure. Which is like an LED light-based therapy treatment. It's really good for um, speeding up for the sure. healing process and reducing bruising and swelling. So having things like that or having the capacity to be able to go and have those things to speed up yeah. that process is also Absolutely. pretty helpful. And 
to do that, you need to understand your patient's um, ability to be able to come back in. Yeah. So, for example, a lot of my clients who were businesswomen or corporate women, they couldn't come back yeah. to the clinic every couple of days to, to have that. So, yeah. it's a great option to have. Um, certainly to promote it, I think it's wonderful. V-beam is another thing. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a laser that, that's utilised for vessels and veins. Does Candela make that? It does. Yeah, yeah Candela make that. But it's a, a brilliant device also at um, helping speed up the, the bruising yeah. process and getting it really, really quickly. So, there's a a lot of um, things you can look at. If you've got them in your clinic, promote that. It's yeah. great to say we've got this. Um, I know a, cl- a couple of clinics in the States, I was there recently, they actually actively put this in, a V-beam treatment or a um, PDL treatment or a vascular treatment post any major work that they do. It's just part of their follow-up process. Yeah. So, you know, if you have those opportunities to do that, work that into your process. Um, but once again, the most important thing is setting that expectation. Yeah, absolutely. I know we didn't plan this one, Arnica. Yeah. Any uh, sort of uh, anecdotal or sort of studies that you know of? There's also Herodoid cream is another one that we talk about. Um, Some people, I've had feedback say it works really well. Some people don't. I've got patients who religiously take homeopathic Arnica for a couple of days before the treatment and then take it off and absolutely swear by it. I've had others who go, it did absolutely nothing and I still was bruised for 10 days. So what's your experience with it? Uh, well, certainly people try it mm. and use it and there's, I've got no problems with it. If Absolutely. that's what one of pe- people want to do, that's fine. Stuff like creams, I'm a little bit um, nervous with after something like a dermal filler Fair because mm. sterility issues. Um, but yeah, look, if, if it works for you, then try it. I mean, there's some evidence that bromelain, the pineapple extract mm-hmm. after dermal fillers is good for swelling. Okay, It's actually used in ENT surgery or I don't know if, I don't want to say that as a fact, but a lot of people use it for sinus congestion. Mm-hmm. So it takes down swelling and congestion. Mm. So eating pineapple or like you're not no, like just smushing no. pineapple on your face. What do you mean? I've looked into this. <laughs> so bromelain is an extract, not right. just from the flesh of the pineapple, but the core. Yeah, right. The the the, the woody part, if you like. Yeah, right. So it's actually available in tablets from uh, mm-hmm. natural th- natural shops. Because I don't know if you eat too much um, pineapple, your mouth goes all weird. Have you had that before? It goes like all Quite almost like little cuts or something. Yeah, like the lulses everywhere. Yeah. Um, antihistamines are another <laughs> one too to talk about as well. So yeah. a lot of people will take antihistamines just before fillers or afterwards, and you know that can have a dramatic yeah. Yeah, I certainly um, effect do advise as well. That, yeah, and the, you know you don't need a script for that. You can go into That's most right. pharmacies and pick them up over the sh- over the counter. Just make sure it's non drowsy, particularly yes. if you're driving. Particularly if you're driving. <laughs> Um, so we've done bruising and swelling. Let's just touch on asymmetry briefly, sure. because what is normal expected asymmetry and what is a problem? Yeah. And what should we do about that? Absolutely. Number one, check if they've got an asymmetry beforehand. Nobody notices an as- yeah. Nobody will notice an asymmetry more than after they've been treated. So when you're doing your thorough consultation and you've taken your photos, the first thing you want to do is point out asymmetries. Also, asymmetries are natural. Um, most people have asymmetry, so point them out. Number one. Second of all, if it's not an overly distracting asymmetry, generally there's no point in chasing it. We generally find that's the second from an injecting perspective. If, however, you've injected a patient and they ring you straight away and say, it looks asymmetrical, it probably will. And it probably will for up to a couple of weeks, depending on how you've treated them. If you have chased an asymmetry, you may put more product on one side than the other. They might have slept on one side more than the other. So the expecting swelling from around that area, you may find that out to two to four weeks, particularly with a deeper filler, can be four weeks till it's really integrated into the tissue and really settled down. So when we talk about anti-wrinkle injections, we say come back in two weeks. When we talk about filler, um, it's generally around four weeks. And the reason for that 
that is it takes that amount of time for it to settle. So if you're ringing me in three days' time with an asymmetry from your bo- your botulinum treatment or your anti-wrinkle treatment, I'm not going to see you at that point in time because those things are expected and same with your filler. If, however, you get to two weeks with your botulinum treatment, your anti-wrinkle treatment, and you still have asymmetries, the great news is that they can be tweaked. And what I mean by tweaked is we can use extra dosage in the area of asymmetry most of the time unless it's a drop um, or a ptosis which is different again um, to balance so that that's great and to be clear you're talking about asymmetry not a lack of response no i'm talking about an asymmetry we'll talk about that later absolutely we're talking about asymmetry um so for example one eyebrow is still lifting higher than the other that's a very simple fix um from a technical perspective if you get to four weeks with your filler and you still have a major asymmetry You've just got to own that at a four-week point when it's integrated into the tissue. Um, before that stage, you would have tried, you know, a, a massaging technique. You can try to manipulate the product. Um, but if you're still getting to, to four weeks and it, it's really asymmetrical, you have to look at either trying to make it symmetrical with more product or removing it with highlights yeah. um, is the other option. And I think, you know, just from a technical perspective, I would definitely advise marking up a client and, and getting your before and afters perfect and maybe even going to the point of showing the client after you've done one half of their cheek. Okay, mm. I've used the half. We can use half on the other side now. Just yes. to involve them in the process that you're symmetrizing as best as you can. That's, that's also it. dealing with pre-existing asymmetry, not that's, just from a volume perspective, but right. even a muscular recruitment perspective. I mean, I know when yes. I look surprised, I lift one eyebrow up. That's it. So that muscle inherently is going to be stronger than my, one on my right. Absolutely. And you're generally treating people's faces with the same dose each side. And initially, that's the way you're taught mm, to do it when, when you're very basic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not always easy to no. sort of predict how it's going to respond. But dynamic asymmetry is a good yeah different thing yes. again yeah so when we're looking at people's faces we have a tendency to look at them in a static position but as soon as they smile or they animate you do notice more asymmetry so working out from a beginning perspective during your consultation is it a static or is it a dynamic asymmetry and is there a possibility of changing that it's really really important if it's dynamic it's much harder to change and sometimes impossible so should you be um taking videos as part of you before, then you can actually see animation. Absolutely. It's a great, great tip. And a lot of injectors do do that. But at the very least, you should be taking photos of both still and animated expression. And show the client that before you've treated. Say, you may not have appreciated this, but you've got a bit of a quizzical right eyebrow or whatever it is. And also, do you like (laughs) that? Because some people have asymmetries. They really look at Elvis. Imagine if he didn't have his Elvis lip. Imagine if someone went in there with anti-wrinkle injection (laughs) and got rid of his Elvis. That's that's his personality. It's part of his branding. So not all asymmetry is bad asymmetry as well. So yeah, is it dynamic? Is it static? Is it something I've done or is it something that was pre-existing and, you know, measuring all that up? But certainly sometimes you just have to own it and say, yeah, look, it is a bit asymmetrical there and make sure you've got that, you know, in your business plan that it's in some occasions you will have to utilize more product to to fix, um, fix problems. It will happen. Just getting back to the pineapple joke, I did. I took the liberty of googling that while I was sitting. Oh no! So bromelain <laughs> is often used as a meat tenderizer because it breaks down proteins. This is according to Google. Uh-huh. If your mouth feels sore after eating pineapple, it could be because the bromelain is actually starting to break down proteins in your mouth. Mm. It's literally digesting the inside. Dissolving your face. So how does that? How would that bromelain translate to being helpful? I, I'm for- not going to sit here and lie about the um, mm. the biochemistry, but it's a it's a it's working on inflammation specifically. Right. Okay. So, um, you know, after nasal surgery, you can get a lot of swelling and bruising of the okay. sinuses and the face and the nose itself. So okay. 
it kind of makes sense to to use it in that perspective but there's some clinical papers out there where injectors and surgeons are using it deliberately for that aftercare should ask dr shahidi is it pineapple stat after the- <laughs> oh, yeah let's just do it Rayleigh, <laughs> yeah. where are you? We need to know. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, okay, so what about the classic, oh, I've got lumps in my lips after having mm. a lip filler and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. What's normal and what's, what's not normal? Yeah, look, again, swelling is normal. So you can find that you've got inflammation bumps and lumps around where the injection has gone in and they may look a little bit lumpier there. So generally with that, what you get your patients to do is after a certain amount of time, 24 to 48 hours generally at a minimum, um, when all the little holes have healed over and it's safe to do so, get them to press on the areas and just to make sure that it feels nice and um i guess you know not lumpy if they touch an area and it feels still quite tender you've still got healing going on in that area and probably the lump is based around inflammation and healing response um certainly lips being dynamic um can get a little bit more lumps and bumps in them it's not uncommon to need ongoing a little bit of massage and manipulation of the product within the first couple of weeks but again you need to talk your patients through that and if they're really concerned they should come back in and see you but Again, swelling is normal, lumpiness is normal, asymmetry is normal and can be for up to a couple of weeks. Um, If it's tender, don't touch it. If it's not tender, you can lightly massage post that 48-hour period. Why do you think it's so common for a lip filler new client in particular to have that panic literally the day after and say, ah, I've got to come back and have it all dissolved. I hate it. Yeah, yeah, because it's a massive change. One, it's right in the middle of their face. Second of all, lips swell. So if you want to talk about an area on the face where you get prolonged swelling or a huge amount of swelling, it's going to be anywhere. It's going to be on the lips. So it can be really confronting for them to see that. And what happened, a really great tip is once you've done the treatment, get them to look at the mirror straight away. It will shock them a little bit, but they'll have generally quite a nice contour unless you've managed to get a bruise. And say to them, from here, they will swell. So they will come back to this point and even settle down more from what you're seeing now. But the expectation from me is for the next couple of days, they will look much bigger. They will look asymmetrical, et cetera, et cetera. So again, talking to them about the reality of the process. The other really good tip that a lot of people will use, and we do this a lot with lasers as well, is having a timeline of photos and saying this is immediately after. Because let's be honest, we're either showing on our Insta gram posts immediately after when they look freshly done and they haven't really started swelling yet or we're showing you a couple of weeks later when they've completely settled down so if you've got somewhere in your clinic that you can say this is what they probably look like straight after um, the next day this is a patient photo as you can see they're really swollen they lost the shape that was there before this is day two day three as you can see by day three to day five they're really settling down the shape's coming back to where it should be the asymmetries are ironing out the bruising's going down whatever it is is your you know your normal kind of process but patients are visual and if you show them they get it a lot more than if you tell them yeah especially the next day when they wake up after being horizontal for eight hours or so it always looks worse in the morning 100 and that antihistamine can help it yeah. with that as well Invaluable. jack i don't know if you would agree, I, yeah but. i do I, I whether they want to or not it's fine but i would always advise it hmm. because i'm used to from experience getting those texts the next day yeah it is confronting i think you know, people notice too people are going oh, to say things to you, sure. so you're obviously going to be more self-conscious right particularly if it's the first treatment you've ever had done yeah. so you know we used to have this lovely transition from a little bit of anti-wrinkle to maybe a little bit of something else now people go straight in and want you know a full one to two mils sometimes you know over a period of time in their lips so i think it's quite a confronting change for somebody right in the middle of their face 
Yeah. yeah. And the opposite is true when you dissolve something that's been quite big for a long time and it disappears and mm. you're waiting for it to settle and they want it back in. They want the filler back in straight away. We get, we get comfortable with our new yeah. selves and you mm. see that again throughout surgery and non-surgery all the time. We forget what we looked like before, yeah. um, you know, or any change to what we looked like before, particularly if it's instant, can be very confronting for patients. Yeah, absolutely. Back to you, David. Yeah. So what do you do with the consumer who says, I've got a bruise, give me a refund now? Otherwise, I'm reporting you to uh, whoever <laughs> um, it is. Always encourage them to come back and say, look, you need to see the injector. Mm. Um, I mean, we're lucky. I mean, all of our injectors are in at least twice a week, so mm. they're not waiting more than a couple of days to see someone. Mm. Happy for them to come back in for a, a yellow light, a LED light to help mm. with the bruising and the swelling. As much as possible, send them back to the, to the primary injector. I don't, even though we've got a lot of other injectors involved in the business, it just complicates mm. things. They'll try and sometimes patients will try and play injectors off each other. It's, it's hard. I, I get, I, again, the, get them to go back and see the person that did the treatment. Get them to send a picture. We yeah. live in an age where you can take a selfie yeah. and send it into, you know, a private email address. So yes. if they're really concerned immediately, they yeah. don't have to wait around. Just have yeah. them take a picture of the area, send it to this email address. It's a private email address. It'll go straight to the injector and we'll get someone to call you in the yeah. next hour. Yeah. So a lot of um, concerns from patients can actually just be resolved by having someone to talk to. Absolutely. Yes. If you get on the phone and say to them, I've seen your picture I'm really not concerned that bruising is very normal. I know it feels confronting because of the swelling, but I promise you, take me, take another picture for me in 12 hours. Once you've been upright, you've walked around, you know, put a, put some ice on the area, take an antihistamine, yeah. send me another picture in six hours. And just sometimes them feeling they've got someone to talk to. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, really changes the outcome of, um, you know, their complaint as well. Oh, yeah, I really agree with that. And, you know, for that one in a thousand client that's got a real problem, mm. you, you'll pick it up hopefully yeah. early. If you get everyone to send you a quick selfie for, you know, 99 of them, you're like, okay, sure, that's a bruise, no problem. But if you're not quite sure, you can then qualify it and call them and get them to do a video selfie, mm. put their finger in it and see what the capillary refill time is mm. and then get them in if you're still not sure. Mm. But you, you just don't want to be, you know, a lot of injectors are a little bit dismissive of these trivial things because they think it, oh, it's just a bruise, they're just moaning. Mm. But I think you've got to, you know, look after your client and For some sure. of these people, it's really stressful. Absolutely. And again, if you go back to that personality typing, some people are just naturally going to be more stressed and more anxious. That's who they are. And that's okay. So we need to make sure that we've got processes in place to handhold a little bit through these these times. And you've got to remember in the industry, we're used to it. We walk around with bruises on our faces and don't even think about it. This is really not normal for a lot <laughs> yeah. of people. Yeah. So we trivialize a lot of things for, for people that are really important to them yeah. um, and taking their concerns seriously. And the, the least that you can do is pick up the phone, get them to send in a picture and just tell them that everything will be okay yeah and like you said in our first episode that we recorded before um you're a doctor or a nurse first mm. you know you, you, the point of uh, care doesn't end when they go home it, you're still looking after them they're still your patient Absolutely. and hopefully they'll be your patient for the next 25 That's years right. so if you can look after them properly and holistically mm. just you know go that extra mile and and do it properly yeah it's a service in terms of a business from a business perspective just to go back to your point what do i do i mean we're lucky that we have a medical professional on every day mm. so in the worst case scenario where there is an issue Brilliant. or they do need that reassurance they can come and see someone else Brilliant. um so i think sometimes if you've got an injector that comes in once a week 
and you're trying to deal with it from a business perspective. Mm. You make it very difficult if you don't mm. have that that um, that health professional there all the time. And I'd say set that up at the beginning. Yeah. If you are a practice out there who's looking at bringing on an injector, maybe just once a week, yeah. make sure that they're open to receiving out of hours phone calls yes. or um, you know messages during the week, uh, photos, all of that type of thing. So make yeah. make that part of your, your expectation. Yeah, yeah, and your contract at the beginning yeah. that they are treating your patients and therefore they will be available to speak to your patients if yeah, they have concerns. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's the double-edged sword of social media. I, I give my clients that information so they can contact me in an emergency. Sure. Yes, you have to put up with a lot of messages that may not need urgent attention, but I mm. think for that one person who really needs my help, I personally think it's okay mm. but um you know if you're working in a clinic that's open nine till five that might not work so mm. it's going to depend on on how your service is set up i guess you still need to have an out out of hours if if something's going to go wrong with an occlusion or you know worst case scenario blindness you you really need to make sure that you've got <laughs> an open means for these patients to yeah, get a hold of absolutely. you um immediately somehow yeah so going off on a bit of a tangent here, can you explain what an off-label treatment is mm. and how would an injector kind of get trained or, or get some experience in learning how to do those? Mm. So an off-label treatment is when you think it about... It sounds dodgy, doesn't it? It does. It sounds really dodgy. <laughs> off-label. Um, I'll try and explain. Yeah, off-label. No, look, when we talk about off-label treatments, let's go back to what that means from a pharmaceutical perspective or a device perspective. So when anything new, any medication comes onto the market or device, you've got to go through a regulatory process to get approval to use that medication. And that's a really good thing. It means that we um, know it's safe, it's efficacious, we know what the side effect profile are, in, in generally quite big numbers. Now... For that reason, for anti-wrinkle, depending on the product that you're using, there's either a regulatory okay for the frown or frown forehead and um, crow's feet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what that means, though, is that we still know that the product works in other areas. All right. So, for example, let's talk about paracetamol. On the back of the box, it might list 10 things that it's useful for. But we also know it really works well for toe pain and knee pain and a whole lot of other things that might not be listed on there. Yeah. So the product still does what the product is doing if it's put in the right place. However, there's not a regulatory tick of approval to say that they've collected enough evidence for it to be used in other areas of the face. So if we think of anti-wrinkle, um, the top part of the head, top part of your face has been signed off, the bottom part of your face has not. So you mean like uh, just like say from the nose up? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we might be talking about a gummy smile, for example, we know in practice yeah. and we know theoretically and practically that if we put the medication into the muscle, it does the same thing in every muscle. So we know what the outcome will be, but it's considered off label because it hasn't had the tick of approval mm. based on, you know, the company's want sometimes even to, to put that through that regulatory process. So it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. There's a lot of companies who will just go, I'm not going to bother with that. It's not worth it for us commercially to, to put a, a mountain of evidence together to prove that. It's expensive to do that, yeah. Incredibly expensive to get a new indication. Yeah. So most medical practitioners will know how the medication works. They know where they can use it. Um, and they will go what we call off-label if they believe that they'll get the desired outcome from that, that So basically procedure. it's giving the prescribing doctor the um, ability to use, use a discretion. product. Yeah, they just use a dis uh, discretion. Absolutely. Discretion, yeah. Absolutely. And there's many places in the cosmetic world where we use off-label yeah. um, indications all the time. And to your point, yeah, where do you get training on this? So 
many, 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 many moons ago um, <laughs> when regulatory wasn't so um, strict, sometimes some of the reps from the companies would come up and, and talk you through these processes. Obviously, they can't do that. It's, it's, and they certainly haven't for many, many, many years. So there are certainly courses out there that you can go and do. They're usually weekend courses um, that will talk to you about the anatomy, physiology and usage of medication that is on-label in off-label areas. Yes. Um, and that's... Yeah, and I think that's probably a better use of some of these third-party training um, Absolutely. opportunities, like if it's just over a weekend to get your head around. You've already got the experience and the on-label normal mm-hmm. uh, sort of 99% of use of that product, that's and then right. you just want to learn something specific to build on your knowledge. I think mm-hmm. that's a really good use of these sort of um, shorter courses. Absolutely, and we know how muscles work. So we, we know theoretically the response that will mm. take place if we utilise this medication in these other muscles. A lot, of the, a lot of them are quite easy to do as well and can get some really beautiful results. Yep. Um, once again, though, check with your insurance that you're covered for using medications in yeah. off-label spaces. Um, make sure that you've got a really grounded understanding in on-label first because, let's be honest, 75% of your real estate or your, your, you know, your money is going to come from on-label places anyway. They're bigger. Yeah. They make more of an impact on the face. And once you're really comfortable with that and you're good with your anatomy full facially, definitely look into a third-party provider to come and talk you through if these the, you know, these treatments are appropriate for you yeah, to perform. So companies like, say, Face Coach, for example. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, Shout absolutely. out to Face Coach. <laughs> I can agree. Yeah. Um, and what was I going to ask about that? Oh, yeah. So I guess this this goes back to the, the FaceTime between the doctor and the nurse. Mm-hmm. Of course, a nurse, of course, she, she can use her own clinic. She or he, there are male nurses out there. He, she. Yeah. Beg your pardon. <laughs> um, but we know a lot of our yeah, yeah. get to listeners are female. Um, they're still going to discuss this with a prescribing doctor. So mm-hmm. it's not that, you know, they're just making it up as they go along. No. They're still going to have a conversation about is this relevant? Is this right? Is the dosing okay, et cetera? So yeah. just to sort of allay the concerns of any consumers listening, this is oh, 100%. a very normal thing. And also too, there is evidence that these work. There are clinical papers and many, many clinical papers that talk about use of medication in other areas. So please don't think this is a random thing that, you know, the medical society have just come up with to utilise. You can, and again, from an injecting perspective, I know certainly with Allergan, you can ask them for an off-label pack or you can ring their medical regulatory department and ask for clinical papers on off-label areas because a lot of people have done research into this. Mm. All it means is that the company hasn't taken the next step Mm. of utilising that evidence and going through the expensive process of getting that signed off with, Mm. in our case, the TGA. Yeah, perfect. Anything else you want to ask about off-label? Yeah, I think so. I don't think there's anything else I wanted to cover on that. Cool. Now, just to wrap up, and I think we sort of forgot about this when we touched on social media in your previous episode. How do you feel about people using things like influencers to build Mm. their business Mm. or deals or, you know, that kind of aspect? I mean, again, this touches on the business versus medical profession Mm. kind of uh, seesaw, I guess. But Mm. where do you sit with that? It's a great question and it's something I get asked often and I think influencers um, can do a lot of good and they can also do a lot of harm depending on how you're looking at it. If you're aligning yourself with an influencer and again, I, you know, I'm not, I won't go into this massively, it's a whole podcast on it, but first of all, make sure you pick the right one. 
And what I mean by that is do they sit with your brand very well? Um, you know, do, do they share the same values as you? Do you are they targeting the right audience, for example, as well? So actually get them to, to look at their statistics and say, you know, are they are my, is my demographic that I'm after? I want 35 to 50 year old females who have A, B, C, and D. Does your influencer actually match that? They talk about micro and macro influencers. Macro influencers are great at getting the word out there, but micro influencers are really good at actually making change. So what you want to be looking for is someone who's probably local, who sits in the demographic that you um, are aligned with that way. You also want to sit down with them and understand you know, contractually what you're expecting of them, particularly yeah. if you're giving them a free service. So be very, very clear on what it is that they're receiving, but what it is that they need to do in return and put a contract together for that. Yeah. It's really important because I've seen it time and time and time again. Oh, yeah, if you do my let's free, I'll put you on such and such and yeah. it either never happens or it's one post at 10.30 at night that no one ever reads. So be very, very clear with your expectations from both parties. I'm just going to flag and I, I don't know. Could be some legal issues. Yeah, if, that, if yeah. this is right or not. So I'm just going to yeah. put it out there as a disclaimer. I don't know if people can legally offer someone a free treatment for any reason. No, not in medicine. An influencer. Absolutely. So I guess... I probably should pretense that with if you are talking to somebody who is medically um, and medically clear to come in who wants to have a treatment and who then says as part of this, can I share this information? Yes. The path that you need to go down is making sure that it's very contractual yeah. and clear yeah. with what you're looking at. So for example, you know, you could do a skin treatment, which isn't a prescribable product. Yeah. Technically, you could gift that or package it or something else I yeah think. you just have to be very careful about um they will come a lot you yeah there's people coming if you're a good injector if yeah. you're out and about you will have yep. people contacting you constantly about yep. free treatments and saying they'll put you out there yeah. what i would say is exactly there's two different ways to look at this one is you know giving someone a free treatment that's a medical treatment is an absolute no-no so yeah. you've got to think about that although if you're aligning yourself from a brand perspective with somebody yeah. um, and they're coming on board as part of your business process and it's to look at your business as such. Yeah. Make sure you're very clear on the way that you set that up. Okay, and just one other thing that we, I guess we've skipped, it's not really an adverse event as such, but non-responders to treatment, Penny. This is like probably the number one thing that people will come back in in the first instance unhappy about, and particularly mm. with anti-wrinkle treatments. Mm. What does it mean and, and, and what has potentially gone wrong or not been done in that mm. scenario? Mm. Definitely working for Allegan, the number one reason we were called in post was a non-responder so uh, the first thing um so that means it didn't work it didn't work okay or anti only wrinkle, always anti-wrinkle yeah um you know you can talk about not getting an effect which would be your fillers but when we're talking about anti-wrinkle we talk about a non-responder and the first thing that you hear is you know yeah, it didn't work. So you come back in and you look at the patient, first of all. First of all, you've got to get them back for a two review. That's the most important thing. So if it's within the two weeks, you say to them, it might not have completely kicked in yet, for, mm. for lack of a better word. So wait for the two weeks. And at two weeks' time, we'll have a look at the area and see what response we've had. It is incredibly unusual, and I'm talking under, under, under 1%, to have someone who is an actual non-responder. And what we mean by that is it just doesn't work. Okay? They still have full movement. That's or right. Movement. Or the medication doesn't touch them is what I'm talking about. Right. I found one of those in 11 years and he lives in Melbourne. Yeah, I've got one <laughs> we, as well. And we still have a laugh about it. Now. That's exactly right. And even to prove that they are a non-responder is a really expensive exercise to go through from a, um, you know, a proof perspective anyway. Yeah. But 99% of the time when you have a non-responder, you've either put not enough product in, not enough anti-wrinkle product in, or you've put it in the wrong area. Yeah. And 
I'm just going to say this right now. You have to own that straight away. I used to work with a trainer who would say at the beginning of all of her um, anti-wrinkle training classes, I'm going to say it right now. It's not the product, it's you. Let's just have a good laugh about that now. We'll get it out of the way and we'll start. So when you get training for these treatments, they're talking to you about the bell curve. So they're talking to you about how many units you would utilize to get a response of three to four months, um, you know, for, for the treatment. But they're talking about a bell curve. So there's a lot of people that are underneath that, but there's also a lot of people that are over that. So sometimes it can just be you've put in a standard dose amount and it's nowhere near enough to touch the size of the muscle and the complication of, you know, the complex kind of muscle anatomy that's in front of you. That's number one. The second thing is making sure you put it in the right place. So did you go too deep, too superficial? Did you miss the muscle completely? Um, you know, were you chasing something that had nothing to do with the muscle? A really common area to get a non-responder in is around the crow's feet area. Mm. And the, the reason for this is actually they're not treating the right problem. Um, when somebody smiles, they get radiating crow's feet. Now, that may be a little bit from the muscle, but it's probably a lot too from the fact that their skin is aged, their bones have aged, their um, volume is depleted, and they're getting crinkling the skin across that area. And their elevator muscles in the mid face are actually elevating the cheeks, which is causing those crow's feet that are there. Mm. So when you're talking about crow's feet treatment, you want your patient to actually squint, and then you're actually looking at the pattern of the muscle that's there. If someone is smiling, you're talking about not only the, the reaction, as I said, the, the muscle reaction from the crow's foot, but you're also looking at other factors. So did you pick the right patient to do the treatment on? Is their anatomy telling you that it is the muscle or is it a lot of complicating factors you need to look at? Did you put it in the right place and actually have you put enough in to get the response that you're after? And these are all the things that when the reps generally come out to help you with this, because they will when you start, they will be asking you those questions and they'll be helping you through that process. But if you take a step back from that and at that consultation, really make sure you're understanding how much you're going to need based on the size of the muscle, what other factors are going on within the aging process, you will make a better assessment as to how much you need to utilize and where you need to put it. Despite knowing that and, and experienced injectors will know that, that, you know, if they get a non-responder nine times out of 10, it's underdosing. Yes. People still deliberately do it all the, the, the time. As an underdose? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know whether that's because they're sort of, you know, basically doing what the client tells them to do mm -hmm. because of budget or yeah. fear or whether they're just deliberately cautious because they never want a problem. They yeah. can always put more in. But, that's right. You know, which is fine. But I don't know, just I just talked to lots of injectors and, and there's a different way of approaching things. Some people would see therapeutically dosing something too aggressive. Mm. And other people like to just be light, you know, mm -hmm. have a, a baby dose. Mm. So, And that comes down to the expectations of the patient and what you've discussed with the patient that their outcomes will be. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with doing, uh, you know, a baby dose if the patient still wants a lot of movement, um, you know, but if they want the movement stop completely, you need to dose appropriately to that. Yeah. The other thing to touch on with this too is because I hear it all the time is, well, I've tried product A. It didn't respond, so I'm going to now use product B Makes because it's sense. different. And what I just want to say to the injectors out there is if you look at the actual pharmacology of the drug, they're both, all three of them actually, are exactly the same, okay? So if it doesn't work for one, it's not going to work for the other. The difference is in the process, not in the actual drug itself. Yeah. 
Some people will get different responses from one to the other because of the way that the drug is actually formulated or put together and, and the properties within that or the dilution. But the actual drug itself, if you think it hasn't worked on someone, switching products is not going to suddenly work mm-hmm. because they are exactly the same medication. Yeah. It's only the process. And, and a classic one from clients, which again, it's not their fault at all if they haven't, they haven't been educated on the static versus mm-hmm. the dynamic lines. True. Can you just explain that? Absolutely. So a static line is there at rest and a dynamic line is one that when you're moving, you see. So when we're using anti-wrinkle treatments, we're stopping the dynamic movement of the face, which improves the lines. But if the lines are already etched in there, it's really difficult to get rid of them. Yeah. So sometimes just by using anti-wrinkle treatments, the static lines or lines that are there on rest will still remain. Yes. It's the dynamic ones that will go. Now, the great thing with ongoing treatment for this area is that because you're not continuously crinkling the skin, over time, the wrinkles will decrease. They will get lighter because we have cell turnover and the skin regenerates and we're not putting pressure on those areas with constant contraction. Yeah. However, that can take a lot of time. So anyone who comes in, it's not guaranteed and it can take a lot of time. So anyone who comes in and they have very, very deep static lines there on rest. The movement has gone. I use the word movement. People are wanting to get um, small amounts of anti-wrinkle done when they're younger to prevent the deeper lines etching in or or sort of slow it down. That's, that's the theory, right? That's the theory. So, But again, if you don't have any lines at all and there's no faintness yeah. of fine lines, you really don't need to be when getting this younger, done. When I say younger, I mean people in their late 20s, early 30s. That's right. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> it's re- I think it's really good to qualify <laughs> yeah. that though because there are a lot of women, particularly women, young women coming in 18 to 25 now saying, I've heard this prevention thing, mm. I want everything, um, treat me now, I never want to get a wrinkle. And you, you're treating people who don't need to be treated. So there is an ethical boundary that we need to talk about and yeah. think about when it comes to um, treating young yeah, people. Um, if they don't have signs of very, very fine lines that are starting to slightly etch into their skin, to be honest, unless you're doing it to lift their brow or yeah. to change brow shape um, to get elevation, yeah. you really don't need to be treating these women with anti-wrinkle injections, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and when it comes to the deeper lines, once you start wanting to treat those, you're looking at dermal fillers and or some sort of resurfacing device. collagen stimulating treatment. Absolutely. Yeah. So you could be looking at device. So you could be looking at um, resurfacing CO2 treatments, for example. Um, you could be looking at um, e- even sometimes just clearing up the skin, completely getting rid of pigmentation and vascular anomalies can make a big difference to the look of the skin and the health of the skin. Some people have um, precancerous cells there, you know, um, actinic keratosis, things like that they should be seeing a dermatologist for. If you get the skin right, right, it will heal better. And therefore, the results of everything you are going to do are always going to be better as well. Great. I think we've uh, pretty much covered everything that we can for these uh, couple of episodes. So thank you very much again, Penny, for donating your time. I know you are a very busy lady with a million children and a very busy job. Not and quite a, husband. a million. Well, put that on me. <laughs> and popular with our <laughs> listeners. Thank uh, you. Oh, thank you. Um, can you just remind everyone how they find you again? I know you've set up a new um, Instagram profile now yeah. on your account. Can you just Yeah, so remind it's just us? Penny Timberlake. So back to my funny spelling, P-E-N-E-T-I-M-B-E-R-L-A-K-E. Mm-hmm. Um, just... At Instagram, so at at Pennington Blake, um, and just DM me is probably the easiest way. Otherwise, you can find me on LinkedIn with the same name. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure we'll be having you back at some stage soon because it feels like when we've just finished uh, recording, we think of a million more things that we'd want to cover with you. So, <laughs> Penny, we'll be back at some point. But thank you for now, and thank you. Um, have a good rest of your day. Thanks so much. Yeah, let's Bye. Thank you.
For our latest news, upcoming episode information and mini video clips of our guests, you can follow us on Instagram at inside underscore aesthetics. We've also just started a YouTube channel called Inside Aesthetics and we'll be uploading more content and longer videos in the future.